The world around us is changing faster than ever before. before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome, Welcome. to Data Welcome. Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change, encouraging you to be bold, be, bold, be brave, and be fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Today, my guest is Tony Clayton Hine. She is a B2B marketer and formerly the CMO of Xerox Corporation. Welcome, Tony. Hi, thanks for having me. Tony, this is such a special treat because in the research industry, we deliver lots of data to, to organizations, brands, big brands, small brands, but we don't really have access to what the role of a CMO is and, and really kind of walk in their shoes. So thank you so much for being here today because I think you're going to be able to kind of take the lid off the mystery for us. I'll do my best. <laughs> so walk us through a little bit. You, you, you were at Xerox for five years and you entered a time that, you know, there's a lot of transformation going on. Not everybody's printing. Digital's prominent. How did you kind of navigate and figure out what your agenda was going to be? Well, what comes from the standpoint that our biggest blessing is probably our biggest curse. So everybody knows Xerox as the iconic brand associated with print and copy. And coming into the business five years ago, I came into a division to build out a net new market in small, mid-sized business with new offerings and new routes to market, and then became the chief marketing officer after we split the company in 2017. And the agenda was similar on both sides, which was how do you take the best of the Xerox brand in the print element and show people how that is still relevant in the digital first world, as you mentioned. And that means showcasing how we lived at the intersection of both physical and digital. Okay. How we were able to deliver a solution that was as much software services driven as it was hardware print driven. And really talk through how we could be relevant in that modern digital way against the backdrop of people being very focused on Xerox being print and copy. So a lot of perception to change. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine part of your mission was to change that perception through advertising and, and other vehicles. Absolutely. And, you know, the goal was to be able to create the story, right? Mm -hmm that was focused on how we were more than print or print was just an option, not the answer. But this is where the data came in. Okay. Meaning we had to do the research that said, what was the perception of the end customer? Mm -hmm. What would they believe from us in terms of being able to sell the story? And how did that change based on the segment that we were talking to? And data became critical to be able to build that story out. And was there a planned approach in terms of the research plan and, and partnering with the research group or the insights group? How, how did that come to play as, as you formulated the agenda? I think it was really just the plan of making sure that we had the research that showed current customer perception, customer mm -hmm. requirements, and how that was different by country, by offering, by market segment. And then 
going through what we had in house versus first uh, second party data, third okay. party be able to, to capture that. What were some of the challenges in doing this from your point of view? The challenges were the fact that we had the opportunity to ask people the questions. It was more making sure that we were looking at the insights um, with an open mind. Yeah. You know, we, we would see the information and want to make sure that we were not skewing the way we were asking the question to get the answers we want or that we were really open to how we were being perceived in a competitive landscape and being open to making sure we had enough information enough data points so that we could splice it and dice it. I find that it's really such a cultural definition of how an organization embraces data. To your point, you, you know, there's data sometimes that's just used to defend a story versus data being used to stay open and be informed of what's happening. Yes, and, and we had to do it in a couple of different fronts, right, which is at Xerox, we had the small, mid-sized business versus the large enterprise business. Mm-hmm. So we needed to use data and insights to be able to drive hundreds of thousands of high volume, low touch B2B2C transactions through the web, right. you know, Staples or Office Depot. And, that, and then that had a different set of metrics and requirements than when you're building programs to support multi-million dollar contracts with the largest Fortune 100 companies that have a unique set of needs. So we needed to make sure that we were able to segment that and then not just segment the insights, but then also how do you tie that to the offerings and the right. support. And how did, how did that translate? How did, you know, you set the, the story and, and, the, and the messaging. How did internally, did those requirements get fed back into the organization? Was there a formal process? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? You know, in an organization as large as Xerox, making sure that you have collaboration and participation across the business is critical. Yeah. So there were several streams that would happen and processes that would allow that to happen. So, for example, every month a cross-functional team would sit in a room and that would consist of all of the heads of the product, the heads of the field, marketing, legal, et cetera. And so that would allow us to collectively look at where the business was today, what we needed to focus on near term and long term. And so that was probably the one. And then also just individual sort of functional work streams that would say, how are we running the offering versus the demand generation versus mm-hmm. an awareness program? So, and from marketing context, we needed to have those conversations as well. You know, in the B2C market, there's so much discussion about attribution for marketing dollars spent or advertising that's spent. In the B2B world, I, I'm not 100% sure about how you measure or how you attribute specific marketing plans or advertising plans to revenue. Can you t- talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. In some respects, I feel like we're luckier because there are so today, there's so many tools and solutions uh, out there that allow you to measure something. Right. So making sure that you've got the KPIs and then which are the technologies that you're going to put in play to help measure that. So that's first a good, good news across the board. In the B2B space, because there is this element of engagement and not just transaction, mm-hmm. attribution becomes really important. So personally building out 
a demand gen program for us meant how do we build out the marketing technology stack that looks at outbound conversation so we could see and measure how many people and prospects we were touching. Then connecting that with inbound activities so that we could measure the conversion rates of people that were coming in from different SEO or Mm -hmm. web-based activities. And then how does that translate to becoming a marketing qualified lead that then goes into the salesperson, which is a much longer uh, sales process. Sales cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Sales cycle. Exactly. And then, and so, you know, it was just picking what could we measure clicks, activities, conversions, quality of lead. And then once you got into salesforce.com activities, you could measure um, what was the engagement that was happening with that prospective client along the way. And how long was that? Like, if you thought about that cycle that you just described, how long is that typically? I know it varies by company size or, you know, how big a deal is. Well, it was really based on the high volume business was, Mm -hmm. I need a printer when I need a printer. Usually something broke. There was a pending event. So uh, we needed to be present when somebody was searching for an immediate need and we had to have the right offering at the right price point at the right distribution point. So that was a very, could be a very quick decision in a, in a day to a week, kind of couple weeks period. Okay. Obviously, when you're looking at the enterprise business, these companies are on multi-year contracts. So you know when your contract is coming up for renewal, you work backwards from, you know, 6, 12, 18 months for that. And then you start planting the seeds to either capture the renewal, upgrade the, the total solution. Mm-hmm. So there are, it's kind of like your car lease, right? Meaning right. you know that comes up and you work backwards from that. That helps drive a lot of the timing of the activity. That makes sense. So here's a question. What do you, what do you point to as your biggest achievement or success during your time at Xerox? I think we were able to succeed in a couple of fronts. One, which is when I took over the CMO role, we had an opportunity to create a total community of practice for the marketing organization. And that meant connecting the dots between advertising, demand gen, digital, field, product, channel marketing, and really running a holistic community there, able to create this idea of, I have this philosophy, right? A a global strategy, standard deliverables, and local execution. And so because we were able to run that, our dollars could go farther, but that meant we increased market share, the amount of revenue we were getting from e-commerce by 20%. We grew the number of partners that were selling and building digital first apps and IOT type solutions. Okay. So those were the things that I'm really proud of is that we're able to deliver the financial results, mm-hmm. but largely mm-hmm. because we were able to operate as one holistic community. That's fantastic. And it, that's not an easy feat with so many people involved. Uh, it, it takes a ton of communication and organization. And, and I feel that Xerox has an incredible culture that allowed that to happen where people wanted to be successful mm-hmm. and contribute to that success. But, you know, the team in and of itself was collaborative by nature. Mm-hmm. And we all knew that we wanted to deliver results because we knew it was critical to our future. As print is on the decline, right. we don't find other ways to grow the revenue. We're in trouble, right? Yeah, I mean, there was a unifying kind of sense of urgency that needed to be accomplished. 
Absolutely. And yep. I think you know, with any B2B company where you've got a product engineering driven organization mm-hmm. that looks sort of from what they've invented, kind of pushed out, where the data piece comes in is making sure that what you're selling aligns to what people want to buy. Mm-hmm. And across the organization, we needed to use that those insights to be able to shape the messaging, but also to go back to product management and talk about what the customer was actually finding valuable. Um, that's very different in the B2B versus B2C world, right? Which is, you know, customer first versus product first approach. Right. How do you put those things together? Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost that many years ago, but it's, you know, if we build it, they will come mentality and kind of linking what the customer's desires are versus what the product, balancing it with what the product is, which product is being built and which solutions being used. Exactly. And today we see, you know, what was a product-led approach 10 years ago is yeah. now experience-led approach today. Yep. So we'll judge how well they're connected to a company or what they want to buy based on not just the widget itself, but the overall experience it delivers. And so that's where you need even more data and technology to make sure that that is connected end to end. That makes sense. What was the hardest part of your role at Xerox? I think that making sure that we had a unique and relevant way to talk about the solution in context, right? So the hardest part about Xerox is the best part, which is it's an iconic brand Mm -hmm. that I want to change perception, move this big tanker of a company in a short-term way because public companies have to deliver every 90 days for the long term, right? And I think that the idea of Make, you know, getting that out, especially against a competitive landscape where you're really spending a fraction of what the competition is spending to do that. So how are you very creative and surgical about what impact you can make where and when? How did you, you know, the hardest part feels like the, the place where you spend the most energy. Were there things that you reminded yourself every single day to kind of ensure that that agenda was moving forward? Yeah, because it's such a, you know, we went to Wall Street and we said, here are the places that we are going to grow. Okay. Right. And so we need to make sure that we were prioritizing our investments on delivering that growth. Okay. Yet the bulk of the business is around the legacy business. And so managing the run rate business and, and reframing your investments to make sure that you're investing in the growth areas, that's hard when you're in the business yep. and people don't want you to take their, their investments to, to focus on the future because nothing in the present is guaranteed. So a constant reminder to ourselves, is this an investment that we're going to make that's driving growth or is it run rate? And is what's the right balance between that? That makes sense. It's balancing short versus long term. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I've always done, whether it's Xerox or any company, which is I've always gone into a place to say, all right, here's your core business, but what got you here won't get you there. Mm -hmm. So what are the key areas that you can invest in to see that net new growth short term so that you can manage the future of the technology, not just where you are today? Tony, there's been a lot of discussion about the role of the CMO in an organization. You know, there was a time partnering with technology because so much was happening in the tech space. And now, you know, there's discussion about looking at the CMO role from an investor's perspective and really looking at every dollar from an investor point of view. 
What do you see some of the shifts that might occur or have occurred in the role of CMO? I think that people used to have this sense that a CMO was either a brand person or a performance person. I came up from sales, therefore I am a performance CMO. You came from the agency side, therefore you are a brand CMO. But I think that today the the most important thing is that there's this connection, at least for me anyway, this connection sure. between brand and demand that you have to tell a great compelling story but you have to connect that to be able to drive sales. You can't just run a demand gen campaign. It won't fly if the story itself doesn't resonate based on the voice of the customer. So it's much more of a 360 degree view. And I also think that, you know, investors, boards expect the CMO to be send, delivering a strategic contribution to the business, not just order taking from the field or just sales support where the business is, where the market's going, and then how is marketing going to contribute to that at a strategic level, not just tactical activities. And that makes sense, right? It's a partner in the business, the role and working with all the other C-level functions. Absolutely. And, and just being able to know that you're only successful working across the business, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that if there's an offering that you could actually sell it and support it, if there's a positioning that is credible and differentiating. So, a lot of different facets in that. Tony, thank you so much for taking the time to sit with me today. It's quite informative and I always appreciate catching up with you. Oh, thank you so much. It was fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Data Gurus Podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.datagurusepodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.datagurusepodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.